you're rocking the, the jet green right now. Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were Rich Eisen. The second movie, I see Brad Hirschberg <laughs> being your father. Dennis Miller. The autumn wind is caused by global warming. <laughs> Uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmeyer. I do love watching Tebow play. I mm-hmm. gotta say, he just he combines all the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and uh... I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Bud Light. We are fresh into week number 14 after our Thursday night visit to Seattle kicked off week number 13. It is now time to head to Pittsburgh to kick off week number 14 on NFL Network. Cleveland Browns at Pittsburgh Steelers before a big week in the National Football League with no fewer than four teams tied at 9-3 and three atop the AFC and no fewer than four teams tied at 7-5 and five for the final playoff spot the sixth seed in the AFC, and we're not even including the now 7-5 and five AFC West leading Denver Broncos with Tim Tebow heading home to take on the Bears and Patriots in back-to-back weeks with the Bears hanging on tight for dear life at 7-5 and five, along with the 7-5 and five Falcons and 7-5 and five Lions and the now 6-6 six and six New York Giants, who are now just still one game behind the 7-5 and five Dallas Cowboys who had a chance at going ahead and getting a two-game stranglehold on the NFC East before the Giants and Cowboys face one another this week, a game that's on Sunday Night Football on NBC. And the lead host of Sunday Night Football, Bob Costas, joins me on the program. And by lead host, I don't mean that in a, denig- in a denigrating way to Dan Patrick. I mean, Dan's just not on halftime. I mean, Dan's on pre. He's not on post. Dan is on halftime. Wait a minute. Hmm. Well, Bob does the uh, the essay, and he rankled a few feathers on his uh, essay about Stevie Johnson's touchdown celebration. I happen to actually agree with Bob, uh, but uh, it was a it was an interesting, um, as always with Bob, uh, uh, exercise in uh, thought as well as reflection. And uh, I want to talk about that with Bob. Also, his interview with Jerry Sandusky that captured the nation on uh, Brian Williams's thir- uh, Rock Center show on NBC. Got to talk about that with Bob. And, of course, we'll get a little bit of football in with him, too. Uh, the one and only 22-time Emmy Award winner, Bob Costas, is on this podcast. So is Matthew Hasselbeck, whose 7-5 and five Tennessee Titans are one of the aforementioned four teams in the mix for that wild card spot in the AFC. It's really the only wild card spot that's available is the second one. The first one is going to be held by the loser of the AFC North, either the Ravens or the Steelers, two of those nine and three teams, both of them who have winnable games this week um, for week number 14. Uh, I, the loser of that is going to get the five seed and go on the road. The winner's going to get a week off. That's pretty big stuff right there. So nobody wants to trip up in the AFC North moving on, uh, moving forward. I don't think either one of those teams are going to falter. Uh, winless Indianapolis at Baltimore. That's a gimme for Baltimore. And I, I don't see Pittsburgh slipping up Thursday night football either at the, at the time of the taping here. So at any rate, it's the sixth seed, essentially, uh, unless somehow, someway, T.J. Yates can't um, maintain a two-game lead. I think that defense and running game will take Houston home 
uh, atop the AFC South. Now, will they be um, a bye week team? I don't know because I think New England is going to maybe grab that second bye. So it's going to be a fascinating finish in the AFC, and uh, the Tennessee Titans are flat out in this mix the way that Chris Johnson's running the football and that Matt's taking care of it. He's uh, he's one of my favorites. He's hilarious. He's a good man, and we're going to talk with him on, on Titans cam later on on the this podcast that will also culminate with a, a chat about everything going on in the NFL with Mike Silver of Yahoo Sports. Uh, he's been on this podcast before. He gets all the interesting angles. And um, and uh, one of his uh, good friends in the business is Kara Henderson. Our very own Kara Henderson returns to the podcast. We're going to chat with the two of them together and, of course, talk about Maurice Jones-Drew. He did the Rich Eisen podcast dance in the end zone. He said he would do it on ESPN if he scored on Monday Night Football this year. He fumbled on the half-yard line against the Ravens earlier this year on Monday Night Football. We talked about that in our chat in the podcast a few weeks ago. He, re- he reiterated his commitment to doing the Rich Eisen podcast dance. Should he score? Monday Night Football this past week in San Diego. He scored. He did it. He talked about it on the podium. We'll have all of that on this program. We'll have all of that. In fact, play the Maurice Jones-Drew right now for me, Chris Law. Yeah, it was uh, the Rich Eisen podcast. I hope he likes it. That was my bet. So I, I always keep my word. I try to as, as much as I can. He asked me to do a dance for him on Monday Night Football on ESPN because the last time I did, I didn't say Rich Eisen told me to do it on NFL Network. So there you go, Rich. ESPN, NFL Network, I did the Rich Eisen podcast dance. Yeah, it's okay, Maurice. I, 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 it's, it's good. It's all good. I appreciate it. Of course I do. No one can ever take that away from me. I'll show that to my kids when they're old enough to understand it. And uh, you could just hear, though, that Maurice would love to do this in a winning effort. His team's now 3-9. and nine. They're against Tampa, another team that's having the wheels fall off at 4-8 and eight this week. But uh, it's, it's all good. So uh, let's get right to it right now. Bob Costas on the Rich Eisen Podcast. He is quite simply the gold standard in this industry, and I'm thrilled to have him on this podcast. He's none other than Bob Costas of NBC Sports and, of course, the MLB Network. Got to throw that out there. And NBC Sports Network soon to come soon. I, I, did I get that all right, Bob? Did I get it all right? I, I hope that's all there is. If, if, <laughs> if, there's, some, if there's something else, they're going to have to clone me. That's right. <laughs> well, there's, there's, and no one wants to see that happen, actually. <laughs> You're one of They broke the mold. They definitely broke the mold. Um, I, there's so many things I want to talk with you about, obviously, is your, is your role of host of, thir- of Sunday Night uh, Football in America on NBC. You were in New Orleans last week. You're going to Dallas for a huge game this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and your role there. But I, I do have to start, obviously, with the uh, the interview you conducted with Jerry Sandusky recently. Um, yeah. in- incredibly, um, I guess, stark in the fact that you're staring into a television camera and mm-hmm. he's on the phone. Uh, what was it like for you? I, I, I imagine it was as uh, unlike any other interview you've ever conducted, Bob. Well, unlike any I've conducted up until now and likely unlike any I'll do no matter how long... I'm in this business. I knew that it was compelling. I knew that it was interesting, but I was concentrating on every word he said. So my reactions were not as emotional or not as visceral as the reactions of many viewers might have been. I was just trying to bear down on what would be the appropriate and pertinent questions, what would be the follow-ups based on what he said, and I thought I should play it as down the middle as possible and let the viewers reach their own conclusions. 
Right. And uh, when you uh, were finished with this interview, I'm sure many people have come up to you and talked to you about it, just like I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And other, I guess, professionals uh, doing the same. What has come across your ears in terms of the question I think most people are asking is, what was Sandusky's lawyer thinking having him talk to you? What's the most, I guess, for the lack of a better word, rational explanation there is for that? Well, here's here's what happened. We were set to interview Joseph Amendola, the attorney who had come up from State College late afternoon, early evening. And about 20 minutes to half an hour before we were scheduled to sit down with him, he said, we didn't ask the question. He said, what if I could get Jerry on the phone? And I thought that was kind of an unusual offer on his part. But of course, I and the producers each said yes. And some of the questions that I had prepared to ask Amendola could be redirected toward Sandusky. On the other hand, a lot of the questioning that took place was spontaneous because you didn't know what Sandusky would say or how he would say it. Mm-hmm. So I was just responding to what I heard. Right. But in, in terms of uh, uh, putting yourself, I guess, in the shoes of the lawyers, I'm sure you've heard many. Yeah. You've probably come across many lawyers who spoke to you about this. Yep. So, I mean, what, 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 what do you think he was, he was thinking? Well, the, the, overwhelming re- the overwhelming reaction from people in the legal field. I don't say it's unanimous, but the overwhelming reaction is that they would never have exposed a client to that sort of questioning on national television, and they wouldn't have allowed him to do the subsequent thing, which came out this past weekend uh, with the New York Times. Joseph Amendola's rationale was that at that point, his client had already been convicted a hundred times over in the court of public opinion. So anything that could be put on the other side of the ledger would be at least a step forward in the positive direction from their perspective. I'm not so sure it worked out that way, yeah, yeah. but that was his rationale. Right. Do you think, do you think he, he had every intention of, of doing that and waited to the last minute to do that? I don't know. You? I don't know. I'd have to read his mind. I do know that he was sitting right next to me, and he had a microphone on, and the mic was live. So if at any point he wanted to clarify or step in and protect his client— from a certain line of questioning, he couldn't have prevented me from asking the question, but he could have prevented his client from answering it or perhaps reshaped his answer, and he never did that. And when the interview with Sandusky was over, I then turned and asked Amendola several questions, a few of which made it into the piece we aired that night on Rock Center. And then when that was over with, Amendola and I walked out of the studio together, and he expressed no dissatisfaction with what had just happened. <laughs> Not at all. He didn't. He didn't None. say like, "Wow, I mean, uh, no. I wish this were different, or can you cut this, no. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera." Not, Not one all. thing. Not one. I mean, that's a head scratcher, Bob. I mean, that is an all-time mm-hmm. head scratcher uh, on that front. And and of all the people, if he was going to try and bait and switch, you're you're the last person. <laughs> Well, <laughs> to try yeah, that I, tactic on in the I, last minute. I'm told I'm told that that what he what he talked with us about uh, on NBC mm-hmm. and what he subsequently said to The New York Times could very well be entered in a court of law. So we'll see. Exactly. And and one last question on that, again, just from a professional uh-huh. point of view, uh, you're looking at a television, right? I mean, and it was just basically Sandusky. They you you tested like if you yeah. could hear each other, and you're off and running. And in your peripheral vision, you've got the lawyer basically almost yep. knee to knee to you, right? That's Pretty exactly much? right. Yeah. And how are you? Uh, again, I know you've been you've been there and done that. Just to be able to fire off all of these questions, h- how many of them were 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 prepped, and how many come from the fact that you're a dad as well? Well, the latter part. 
certainly enters into my thinking about the issue as a whole, but it really didn't have much effect on the questions I asked. I was just trying to do as professional a job as I could uh, as a broadcaster. In this case, there's a journalistic element, and that's what I was trying to do. I, I was trying not to let emotion or my personal reaction enter into it because I thought it would be better if the audience could draw its own conclusions and for me not to betray my own reactions to what he said. And in many cases, my own reactions would have been muted anyway because I was concentrating on what the next question would be. Sure. So I was approaching it much more intellectually than emotionally. I think once I saw the thing air a couple hours later on NBC, I realized that part of the reason why it was so compelling wasn't just that it was legitimately newsworthy and, and also troubling, but because it was stripped bare of all of the bells and whistles that we associate with modern television. I mean, it was pretty much the kind of interview that could have been done in 1960, except sure. it would have been in black and white. And I think that made it even more stark uh, and more dramatic. The disembodied voice, uh, nothing designed for a low attention span world where we got to cut to this and show that and, and worry that maybe you'll drift off. It was all just straight ahead. And, and people's attention was held by that. And in fact, I think, had we extended it, for another 10, 12 minutes, and we did have additional material, we put on what we thought were the most important things, we prioritized it, but had it continued for another 10, 12 minutes, I don't think anybody would have reached for the remote. It was that, that rare combination of things that was simultaneously dramatic and theatrical from a television standpoint, but also completely newsworthy. Right. And how many seconds was it between uh, the, the question of the, that you, of, the, of the hour that you asked him about whether it was sexually attracted to yeah. young boys, and he actually gave the yes or no required answer. How many seconds was in between that? I, I'm told, I didn't time it myself, right. but I'm told that before he said no, mm-hmm. it was something like 17, 17 seconds. seconds. There was a short pause, and then he said, I enjoy the company of young people, yes. and he went into a, a somewhat rambling explanation of his fondness for young people before finally saying, but am I sexually attracted right. to underage boys? No. Right. Right. And uh, before we leave the subject, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you how, how this incredibly the, this very same subject is now involving your alma mater uh, yeah. in Syracuse. And just your your thoughts on Bernie Fine and uh, Jim Beheim's handling of it, for the lack of a better phrase, and uh, and what's happening at your at your alma mater, Bob. Well, Jim himself acknowledges that his initial reaction is one he regrets. Uh, it was a gut reaction, I guess, in defense of a friend. Um, who he says he had no reason until these latest facts came out to believe was guilty of anything. But it seemed insensitive at the time, insensitive at best, inappropriate. And I think Jim not only recognizes that, but he's clearly stated that over the last week. Now, there are obviously some similarities between the Syracuse situation and the Penn State situation, but there are also significant dissimilarities, at least at this point. There is no grand jury report. There are no formal charges Yet, yes, fine has been dismissed. There are not the number of accusers as surrounded Sandusky. Now, all that may change over time, but I would I would hesitate to lump them together. One thing, though, I do think that's going to come out of this is these can't be the only two cases. And I'm not just talking about at the college level. I'm talking about the high school level. And sadly, any of those who work with young people. Because while the overwhelming majority of those who volunteer to be Little League coaches or work at camps or uh, or places that take care of disadvantaged kids, the overwhelming majority of those people are pillars of the community who are doing selfless things for good reasons. But it also makes sense 
that sometime predator, sometimes predators and pedophiles are attracted to those situations because it gives them access to the very young people they're going to prey upon. And if anything good comes out of this, it's going to be an increased awareness of that. If you see something, it doesn't have to be what Mike McQuarrie says he saw. If you see something that seems suspicious, if you see something that's out of whack, why are unescorted young people without a parent or a guardian or someone other than Mm -hmm. the coach or the camp counselor, why are they always around? You know, it's one thing to have a good-hearted interest in young people. It's another to always have unescorted young people around, and maybe they're traveling with you, and maybe there's only... You know, those things should set off warning bells. Is it the same thing as an accusation? No. But is it something that you ought to look into and make sure it's okay? And don't each of these organizations, be they... Uh, universities or whatever they may be, don't they all have to have clearly spelled out procedures no doubt. for how these things are reported? And once they are reported, we're not just going to take care of it internally and hope it goes away. If necessary, we're going to bring in the appropriate authorities in a timely fashion, not just for the most important part, which is the sake of and the protection of the young people, but also for the sake of our own institution. Think of the liabilities to, to our reputations, the, the liabilities in civil suits, possible legal action. It just doesn't make sense to have this kind of laissez-faire attitude that's existed in other places up until now. No question. I mean, if you're running an organization, uh, you have to, certainly in, in the last several weeks, call your people in and say, yeah. uh, let's review what's going on here. Let's make sure we're all on the same page. And also, yep. let's make sure, is there any possibility that something like this is going on here and not just in, in this particular uh, area uh, of, of criminality, but maybe something else. You've just, uh, a full mm-hmm. top to bottom review has to be yeah. conducted in any one of these institutions that you're talking about right here. And I think even before you have an accusation of a specific incident, I think it's going to become almost par for the course that background checks are going to be part of the hiring process. Mm-hmm. Not just background checks to see whether you ever violated an NCAA rule at your last stop, but thorough background checks. Yeah, and, 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 and as we leave this, your point uh, should be well taken as well, that let's not paint uh, everybody with the same brush here. Uh, pillars of the community, these are people who give uh, their time to children. Yeah. And, and, and they may not have any children in their own lives. They may be single people uh, who are out there and giving every single moment to their community to the kids and let's not let's not look askance or paint them with the same brush here let's let's commend them at the same time yeah. and watch out for I that. mean when I think back and I'm sure you too at uh, the camp counselors I was around when I was a kid I was a camp counselor myself for a couple of summers yes, when I was too. in high school the the guys who coached me in little league uh, the the high school coaches that I encountered those, those people were people I admired those, those were people that that enhanced the lives of of the, the kids they coached and, and took care of. So the vast majority of those people have the right motives and do good things. All right. Let's move on to uh, your NBC work, Sunday Night Football in America. You're the host of the uh, pre and uh, certainly along with Dan Patrick. You, you um, are mm-hmm. part of the postgame show as well. And then your, your essay uh, at halftime. Uh, when do you start uh, forming your thoughts for what you, what you say at halftime of each Sunday Night Game, Bob? The first quarter. Uh, We finish the pregame show, and as they're kicking off, I go back into the production truck, and we usually take a look at what's happened in the earlier games, and is there something that can be a kind of jumping-off point for the essay? And usually it's just football-related. Sometimes it's something a little newsier. The death of Al Davis was an example earlier this year. 
Um, and in the case of Stevie Johnson yes. a couple of weeks ago, that particular essay could have been delivered any time during the last several years. <laughs> yes. But we needed something that had to specifically happen that would have been an entry point. And Stevie Johnson gave it to us two weeks ago. Yeah, but when you're punting that Stevie Johnson one and you and you used his uh, ludicrous, I agree, uh, celebration in the end zone mm-hmm. as, I guess, um, a larger social commentary. I mean, you took this beyond the gridiron, essentially, Bob. Yeah. Were you did, did you think at the time that this what I'm about to say is going to ruffle some feathers, that this is going to be something yeah. that uh, you're going to hear about from some fans? Yeah, I, I, I figured it would. I figured it would. Um, I think some people missed my point and perhaps they willfully missed the point and they turned it into Bob Costas doesn't want anybody to have any fun. Uh, he's, he doesn't like showmanship. Right. You know, he's saying, hey, you kids, get off my lawn. <laughs> they missed right. miss the point. My point is this. Mm-hmm. If you're going to incur a penalty or run the risk of incurring a penalty, you've completely crossed the line. You're a complete knucklehead. You're hurting your team and putting yourself ahead of your team. Now, beyond that, there are some displays which, while they may not draw a penalty, they're they're so over the top and so ridiculous. It goes beyond the sort of thing that I specifically said in the commentary no one should have a problem with. Good-natured exuberance. You're having some fun. You're celebrating with your teammates. It's a spontaneous reaction. Those things are all fine. But don't tell me that it's a spontaneous reaction with your team down 21 to three in the midst of a four game losing streak. You make a catch for a first down and now you have to do a strutting dance about the first down. And what, what's up with that? That's just stupid. That's an affront to anybody with half a brain. And when you hear, well, wait a minute, it's all fun. It's entertainment. Here's my question. What's so damn entertaining about that? <laughs> You know, the, guy, the guy's not particularly amusing. He's not particularly clever. It's right. all so tired and repetitive. We've seen it a thousand times before. Here's what's entertaining. The performance itself, evading the tackle, zigzagging down the field, catching a long, perfectly thrown pass, the athletic performance, the drama of the game, the situation of the game. That is what is entertaining. Right. Uh, if you could walk down the hallway as you are in the league offices, and get the ear of the commissioner. You've been watching this game uh, up close. You've had a great seat for quite some time now. What, 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 what would you tell him needs to be out of the game? What would you tell him that you could make a Bob Costas rule change? I'd be keen to know. Well, a couple are easy. I think he's working on the hardest one, and it really is tricky. There's no point in mincing words. The violence and danger and belligerence that is within football is fundamental to the game. In other sports, other team sports at least, not talking about boxing or maybe extreme sports, but Mm -hmm. other team sports that Americans follow, there's always the risk of injury. But that risk is more incidental than fundamental. In football, the game is so inherently dangerous that I think based on what we're learning over the last few years, starting with the reporting of the New York Times, and now we're at a point where the league itself acknowledges it and is funding um, additional research and trying to do the right thing, you're going to have lots and lots of parents over the next several years saying something like the following. I've been a football fan all my life. Never missed my home team's games. Never miss a Super Bowl. Love the game. Have a fantasy team. But if I've got an athletically gifted 13-year-old boy, I'm going to direct him toward anything but football. Mm. And I think Roger Goodell and the people around him understand that. That is not an irrational response to what we now know about the present dangers of the game and, more important, the long-term dangers of the game. 
So what Goodell is trying to do in an enlightened way, despite some of the pushback from within the league, some of it from players, some of it from coaches, it's a very enlightened thing that Goodell is trying to do. He is trying to make the game as safe as possible. Can you make it completely safe? You can't even come close. But you're going to have to eliminate the headshots as much as you possibly can. They're going to have to try to eliminate or reduce players launching into one another. It would be refreshing to see guys tackled more often than brought down by hits and collisions. It would be refreshing to see the culture of the game change so that people don't celebrate these kill shots. Let's be honest. you got guys celebrating these kill shots, not just accepting them as maybe an occupational hazard, but that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to blow an opponent up. The irony is lost on many of them that they themselves may be, when they're 45 or 46, the guy who doesn't know what day it is or the guy who needs help getting out of bed. Um, so I think that's the main thing. There are easier things. There are easier things about, about rules and, and formats and stuff. But, but the separation of the football from the player is, as you, yep. as you said, is such a, a fundamental part of, of the National yep. Football League and the game and, and, and of, of uh, one of the many reasons why people watch. It's not, I guess, some sort, it's not rubbernecking, but it is sort of uh, a gladiator mentality that, that so yep. many fans, uh, that it speaks to so many fans. But the question is, is how how can we because the, the, the officials are out there essentially uh, erring on the side of caution and for the right mm-hmm. reasons. What, what about making the these shots reviewable that we can we can throw a flag or something uh, and and see whether a helmet actually hit the part of the body that referees believe mm-hmm. just got hit. And therefore, we can. We can keep some of these hits in the game yeah. and not change the momentum of a, of a crucial drive or defensive stop based on what somebody is trying to do the right thing in a zebra outfit. Or, or whether the player with the ball lowers his head at the last millisecond so that the shot was aimed at the chest and then it became you know, a helmet-to-helmet shot. Mm-hmm. The game moves so quickly. The players are so fast. Um, that some of this stuff is, is unavoidable. But I think that Goodell is on the right track when he, when he tries to reduce it as much as possible. Before I uh, let you go, uh, Bob, I want to mm-hmm. – you have a vote in, uh, in, in all the end-of-the-season awards, correct? You, um, do, I, you do? I do. You do? I do. Okay. At least are, I used you, to. I don't know. The no, ballot has do. I don't know. No, you do. I don't know. I do. Are, are, okay, do you, I do, so I better fill it out. No, no I was yeah. about to say, do you, are you comfortable giving your thoughts where you, where you currently stand on some of these subjects? I, mean, oh, I, haven't, I haven't thought it all the way through, except the MVP is going to be Aaron Rodgers. That's it, it would right? Be Drew Brees. It would be Drew Brees in another year, but unless and until Aaron Rodgers stumbles badly right. in the remaining four games, I think, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the guy. Have, have we got one minute to backtrack onto something we just Please, talked about? go for it. Okay. Let me just give you an example of it kind of sums the whole thing up. We were talking about about showboating and then running afoul of the rules. Think back to the Super Bowl of three years ago, Pittsburgh against Arizona, a great, great Super Bowl game. And one of the heroes of the game late was Santonio Holmes, then with the Steelers. He made one of the greatest catches ever right at the end in the corner of the end zone for the game winning touchdown. Now, just prior to that, he catches a long pass from Ben Roethlisberger that gives the Steelers a first and goal. Now think about this. The seconds are ticking down in the final moments of the Super Bowl. He, he's down at about the eight-yard line. I don't know if that's precisely it, but that's how I remember it. And he then begins to do some exaggerated kind of 
walking dance toward the goal line to indicate that he's pulled in this long pass. Right. Meanwhile, his teammates are racing downfield to try to get to the line of scrimmage, possibly to spike the ball. For the moment, he's on the wrong side of the line of scrimmage. This would be moronic if it happened in a preseason game. <laughs> this is the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, and as it's happening, your team is losing. Okay? Right. Now, moments later, he catches the winning touchdown. And he goes through something that he'd already thought about, obviously, before the game, mimicking LeBron James with the talcum powder. The officials do not spot it, and he is not flagged. But subsequently, the league acknowledges that there should have been a penalty. So you would have then, in theory, given Kurt Warner and the Cardinals the football 15 yards closer, down by four points, mm -hmm. in the waning moments of the Super Bowl. Is there anything that can be defended in that? How you. is objecting to that being against fun? or against showmanship. I got no problem with the Lambo Leap or Elmo Wright or White Shoes Johnson or guys having it. a good time. Of course, Icky Woods, of course not. Make, if you can't make that distinction, you're either really dumb or you don't want to make the distinction. Bob, and I'm not talking about you, Rich. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you for not <laughs> lumping me in with that. Hey, Bob, I would love to talk with you about so many other things, but uh, I, I, I'd love to have you back on the podcast later on, uh, if, if I may. There you go. Thanks very much, Bob. We Happy will holidays, Same to you and your family, and we will see you Sunday night in Dallas on NBC. Thanks for the time, Bob. You got it. Thanks. That's none other than Bob Costas joining me on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Bud Light. Pleased to have back on the show one of my all-time favorites, friend of the program, friend of the network, just a plain old friend, if I may call you that, Matthew Hasselbeck. Good to see you. Good to see you too, Rich. So, life's good, man. Seven and five. You're you're flat out in this playoff mix. How, uh, what what is it like uh, from your perspective? Um, well, it's been quiet. You know, we're seven and five, and we're in the hunt, but uh, we're not somebody that people are talking about. It's just, uh, you know, mathematically we got a chance, and you look at the end of our schedule. We got a real tough one this week against the Saints, but after that, we got a chance to. Uh, you know, be in the hunt. We'll see. Did you just play the disrespect card on me? Was that the disrespect card? Is that being played by you right now? No, not really. I mean, I think that's true. I mean, there's there are more exciting, sexy teams to talk about. You know, we're not necessarily one of those teams. Uh, all, all season, people wanted to talk about our running game struggles, and now we're running the ball well. So, you know, we just we're like the team that gets added on, and like, oh, and maybe them. You know. <laughs> And maybe them. Well, but I mean, if you're if you're throwing the ball as you have this year, and CJ Two K is running the ball as he is right now, why not the Tennessee Titans, Matthew? Yeah, well, because we're seven and five, and we've dug a hole, and Houston's way out in front in our division, and uh, and there's some other teams that are in front of us in the wild card. So I think the important thing for us is just to stay focused on playing the best that we can play. We've obviously got a very very tough challenge this week against the Saints. And, uh, you know, if we just go one game at a time and, you know, just do what we're asked to do, we got a chance. we got a chance. Now, when you go, I know you and Drew Brees are not on the field at the same time, clearly. And we always do that in the media when uh, two quarterbacks are going against each other. Technically, you're, you're not. You know, you're going against their defense and he's going against yours. But that said, when you're going in a game against a quarterback as hot as Drew Brees, do you think at all I need to do a little bit more I need to make sure that we score x number of points does that go through your mind in a week leading up to a game like this um, in a sense you know similar to knowing the conditions that you're playing against um, what Tennessee has had to do in this division for years going up against Peyton Manning and that offense uh, or even this year when we played at Atlanta or you know so just some different games you just have a respect a healthy respect for their offense and understand okay listen this week 
First downs are going to be important. We're going to need to hold the ball as long as we can, keep their offense on the bench, and then uh, maximize opportunities. You know, if your defense is fortunate enough to come up with a turnover, you got to score. And that's one thing we've done a nice job of this year. We, we score at a very high rate once we get into the red zone. We, uh, we might actually be first in the league in that category. So um, that's something we got to do. If we get opportunities in the red zone, we've got to score. Why was Chris Johnson having so much trouble through the first half of the season? We even just give him a half. Well, it wasn't just him. I mean, I think it just was our team running the ball. It just wasn't something that we were good at. And, uh, in fact, I think at the halfway point, we were 32nd out of 32 teams running the ball. And so it's obviously not where you want to be. It's not where people in Tennessee are used to being. But uh, at the halfway point, uh, Mike Munchak, our head coach, came in and said, listen, uh, I don't care about the first half of the season anymore. I care about what we do with the next half. And uh, we were the worst team at running the ball in the NFL. I'd like to see if we could be the best team for the second half of the season. And after, uh, you know, however many games it is now, I think it's four games, we're uh, statistically the best team in the, in, the, in the league running the ball. And that's not a stat anybody in the league cares about, but it's a stat that we care about. And so, uh, you know, if we could just keep that going, it's been, uh, it's been a group effort. Our wide receivers are blocking downfield. I think our running backs have a better feel for what we're doing, play caller, offensive line. Um, I've got a better sense for the checks and the audibles. And so I, I think it's just a team effort, and it's a good thing. It's going to help us. But you as the quarterback and the leader in that regard, what, did you say anything to Chris Johnson to keep his head up or anything in that regard, or just you, you knew what his resume held and you just sort of backed off and just focused on whatever you could do snap to snap? No, I threatened him, man. I oh, said, good. Yo, pick pick it up, or you're getting cut from my fantasy team, man. <laughs> it's your last chance. There you go. And you thought it was Munchak. It's your you last thought chance. It, and here I mean, we thought I it was. Got, yeah, here yeah, we here we no. thought it was a Hall of Fame head coach from that position with another Hall no, of Fame position yeah. coach at that position. Here here we thought it was that, but it was you threatening him fantasy wise. Good for you. It was. I pulled out the the LaShawn McCoy or the Marshawn Lynch. I said, Hey, listen, these guys are available via trade. I, mm-hmm. I can go make that move. So. Mm-hmm. You know. And you saw it in his eyes. And then, and then, boom, 190 yards. Boom. You know, two scores, doubling his entire touchdown output mm-hmm. in just one, yeah. one half, one, one and a half quarters. Good for just you. Just needed a little bit of threat, just a little threat. Does that work for you? <laughs> it may. It may. It I may? don't know. I, I haven't been threatened yet. <laughs> I don't, I don't know who owns that. me, though. I don't know who owns me. I, did, I, I, I must admit, um, <laughs> I did for a bye week. I did for okay. for a buy. I mean, you know, you and I exactly. You and I are tight like that. I can. I Who, can. Who's just your starter? For, who's, your, who's your starter? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Mm, I've heard of him. He's pretty good. He is pretty good. So let's go there then. Let's go there then. When is is he? I mean, Brady said last week it's impossible to imagine anybody playing the position any better. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, offensively, they're just incredible right now. And uh, they just look like it, they make it look effortless. You know, they're having a lot of fun, even even in some situations where they, I think they've been in two tight games this year that I've seen. And it's clearly a run the ball situation. You know, there's like 224 left right. and they're doing play action, roll out. He's throwing the ball down the middle, sort of late. It's just uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of confidence. There's a lot of confidence as an offense for them right now. And um they're going to be tough to stop. You know, and, and again, I mentioned this last week, and I know he doesn't want to hear the, uh, about Favre anymore, and he shouldn't because he's his own man and all that stuff. But you're a guy who was there in Green Bay receiving uh, fan mail from people asking for Brett Ar- Favre's autograph from you. Can you facilitate that? And the fact what he has done with Favre departing and turn the page, in essence, in Green Bay. It's truly remarkable. I mean, if you think about that, you, you've been there before. You've seen what it's like in Green Bay. 
back in the Favre day, right? Oh, yeah. Right. But uh, I think I think one thing that's special about Green Bay is that they care first and foremost about the Green Bay Packers. And mm-hmm. so there's clearly been times where there are players over the years there that were highly regarded and they're going to be thought of forever there and they're going to be legendary and all that. But the the fan loyalty and the team loyalty and all that, I mean, it, it starts with the, the uniqueness of that organization and the ownership style that they have and all that kind of stuff. So... Um, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily surprise me the team that the fans and the community have really rallied around the Packers. And then right. just knowing the talent level that they have there, it doesn't surprise me that um, that Aaron has played so well because he's he's a very very talented quarterback. So probably probably the most talented right now in the ma- game. Yeah, I hear you. There's uh, next to you know you. I would I would agree, Matthew. You know, because that's just the way I am. As I pound uh, what a, a butt kisser or what are we talking about? That's, no, what, what? no, uh, that's that's called sincerity. Is what that's called. okay. You know well, what I mean? I'm gonna I'm gonna give Aaron Rodgers the uh, the nod for the 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 uh, right. MVP candidate to watch this year. Right. He's playing. I agree. Out. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, when I flew into Seattle, I took a picture of Mount Rainier. Beautiful photograph uh, from my from my seat uh in the remaining moments of me able to have an electronic device on as we were landing i land and i see a tweet from you and you said something along the lines of what did you what did you tweet at me again i i I think it was uh so now you visit (laughs) is that right (laughs) Yes. I mean, I was there, I don't know, I was there 10 years. Right. And I don't remember very many times getting mm-hmm. to be on the NFL Network on mm-hmm. Thursday night, national TV. Once. Maybe a preseason game? No, 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 maybe... it was once. It was you against okay. uh, the 49ers. It was Alex okay. Smith and the 49ers against you and Holmgren in 2006 okay. off your Super Bowl That was season. that rain game where we lost power, I think, right? Yes, indeed. It, it took yeah. 15 minutes to get that thing started. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. a long time. So we were there. Uh, Once in 10 years. Right. That's pretty good. Right, exactly. And then, and then I responded back to you. I was invited. Right. You, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I don't recall. You know, I come when I'm scars. invited. Yeah, there's probably some scars there. Just feeling like uh, we were in the CFL or, you know, we were in the witness protection program. Uh, Jimmy Johnson's words were in South Alaska. Um, there's probably some, some wounds there, I'll admit. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm probably just still getting over those. See, but you are just... Dis- and then are- the second that I leave, you guys are there. And, right. oh, hey, let's, let's primetime match up. But when the schedule came out, there was still a chance that you could be there, Matthew. You know what I'm saying? Like, the schedule came out in April in the middle of the lockout. We, I would have thought for sure you were going back to Seattle then. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's, it's a good point. You know okay. what I mean? That's all I'm saying. You. No, that's all I'm saying. I think and I remember one other time when you were headed there for a book signing. Yeah, I did. And I was going to meet you there, and then you canceled on me. Or well, no, 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 no. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. You canceled it wasn't. on your fans. It was. <laughs> You canceled on your fans. No, it shocked the world. It reminds me of last year when U2 U2 was on a concert tour and uh, Bono canceled. He said he had a back injury. So I'm the Bono in this equation. Yeah. Okay. You know. I'll You're save, cool with that. I'll, I'll, yeah. yeah, I'll save the world. I'll, I'll do my part to save the world. But no, what it was was it was yet another monsoon-like uh, weather situation that was coming in. Remember, it snowed, and I even you were even relieved that you didn't have to get in your car and go all the way to wherever the book signing was. You it was were down rel- the street from my house. Yeah. Well, what, <laughs> what you call what you 
what you in L.A. call a monsoon, yeah. we in Seattle call a mist. Okay. A drizzle. Well, I think it was worse. Like, I couldn't even get in. I couldn't even get in. That's how bad it was. High wind situation. It was, that's, that's, you know what I mean? So the, I don't know about canceling. Soft, that, that was the other time. Very, <laughs> soft. very soft. There's another way. There's another way to describe it. It's soft. Okay. But no, that, so I will, if I'm invited, if you're inviting me to Tennessee, I'm coming. You know what I mean? Okay. If you, you fly, if you, okay. yeah, if you say come to Nashville, hang with yeah. Sarah and the kids. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do Nashville, Nash Vegas. It's right up your alley. Nash Vegas, that's a good split right there. Are you are you wearing that the the, the uh, what is that the 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 sort of oxygenation? Um, sure. No, the oh, necklace, the, sort necklace? of like yeah. yeah, like the 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 Okajima type of necklace that we see relievers wear in Major League yes. Baseball. Is that what you're wearing? You see a lot of pitchers wear them. A lot of pitchers wear them. It's called yeah. Fightin'. It's a okay. titanium necklace that uh, I, I first time I got it. Right. I was watching the Red Sox play in the World Series. Uh-huh. Obviously, grew up in Boston, big Boston Red Sox fan, and I saw these guys pitch. I saw Josh Beckett with it on, and okay. like a like a little kid, I was like, "Hmm, I wonder if that works. I'm gonna try it." Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And so during the bye week, I got one and uh, started wearing it, and does felt it, pretty good. Does it work? So, yeah, yeah, it feels good. It feels good. Are you? What does it? What does it do? I mean, are you 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 less aches and pains. Uh, you got more. Yeah, probably just uh, I think quicker recovery from throwing. You know, do you play in a softball league or anything, no, Rich, no. out in uh, Beverly no, Hills? No, I thought. <laughs> no, I don't. There are no there are no Beverly Hills softball leagues for people uh, who are over like five. Go over to, you okay. know, you got to go over to Bel Air for that. Yeah, you, <laughs> that's, that's where the that's where the softer people are. You know, I can only compete. I, re- with this, I remember so. I remember being in your neighborhood once. I was yes. driving by West Beverly High uh-huh. and I remember they've got some nice softball fields right out there. Right. Yeah. Right at West Beverly for children. For children, okay. you know, right. I, I mean, that would be off, off if I was there. That would be, that wouldn't be okay. good. That's not, that's not good for my image. Okay. You know what I mean? So, okay. Thanks for joining me. You, I, I, and, um, I, I'm, I, you know, the, uh, before I let you go, I'm sort of disappointed you haven't made, uh, an insincere remark that you've read my book. Uh, that's usually, that's usually your go-to right there, Matt. No, well, I did mention about... your book signing. I did mention your book signing. That's true. Did, you know? You did work you, it. <laughs> you, yeah, I worked it there. And you forgot. I mean, that, I mean, no, I I don't know. no, but usually I mean, that's your stock as you talk about. Maybe you weren't paying attention. Are you <laughs> no. one of those guys? Because this happens to me. I get questions from sometimes from reporters mm-hmm. you know, at a press conference, and they'll ask a question, and then they'll, like, look away. Like, yeah, I'm not interested. And maybe they might even walk away. I'm like, did, did you just ask this question and walked wow. away? No, I don't, I don't like, do that. I don't do the ask and walk away. I do the walk okay. and talk sometimes. Like, I want to walk and talk with you, and they shoot me talking with you, and that's like the B-roll for the piece so we can show how tight we are. You know, I, I'll do that. Yeah. I'll do that. I've, I mean, noticed, that. I've noticed one thing about your walk and talks. When you yes. walk, you kind of, like, walk into the person that you're interviewing. I was you know, just not to critique you, but just to okay. help you. You kind of get a little in their space. Like a, you're a little bit of a close talker. Well, you, know, you kind of like lean into them and they're I getting think, a little awkward. And then you guys start veering off pat, you know. I think I just need one of your necklaces to help with my balance. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think, I think we found what, what's, what it could help with in, in my job. Yeah. So. Either that or a, a breathalyzer maybe. Just to make sure <laughs> it, could be, it could be just that. Just to make sure. It's long nights I mean, sometimes on the it's job, true. Matthew. It's I, true. You know, Late it's nights. Long nights. Yep. And I've seen that crew that you're on the, on set with. Yes, you have. You I, know. Know. I know. I know. I know. Mooch, Mooch. You know. Mooch likes the skittles, though. Like he's like Marshawn Lynch. That's okay. his. That's his uh, okay. vice. Is stuff like that. Yeah, we had bags of skittles on after the game because of what Marshawn did. I saw that. You guys weren't very subtle about that, by the no, way. You guys we were trying to like pass notes in class. It wasn't <laughs> subtle, though. But he was upset when Pete Carroll was flinging the, the Skittles to the crowd. Mooch was upset that he took his bag <laughs> and actually flung it into the crowd. He was upset about that. 
you know, don't, That's mature. don't touch That's mature. Mooch's candy. <laughs> hey, Matthew, thanks for taking the time during a big week. Um, good luck moving forward. And you keep winning. We're, th- this whole under-the-radar disrespect thing, it's going to be very difficult to play that card on the media. I like that card, though. It's a good card. I know that. You just played it with the whole Seattle, South Alaska thing. You're used to that in your playing career. So whatever yeah. works, whatever yeah. works. Okay. All right. <laughs> just tell me I'm wrong, Rich. No, just tell no. me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you are not wrong. You're not wrong. Okay. But thanks for joining. Hey, you're on the podcast, at least. I'm giving I'm on you the podcast. Titans That's Camp Spotlight. Twice this year. That's right. Twice this That's year. right. And we look forward to a third. We look forward to a third. Okay. For sure. All right. Thanks Let's for coming that. on. Thanks for coming on, Matt. All right, Rich. See you, man. You bet. That's none other than Matthew Hasselbeck, the quarterback of the In the Spotlight 7-5 and five Tennessee Titans on the show. Let's talk about everything else in the National Football League right now. And I couldn't be more pleased to have here in the person, in the flesh, from Yahoo Sports, none other than Mike Silver. Good to see you, Mike Silver. Is it possible that you could be more pleased? I, I know. No, I could not be more pleased. Seriously. And Kara Henderson knows that. If you she could tell me. She's, she's known me for so long. She can tell me when I'm, she can tell when I'm truly he's very, pleased. He's very pleased. I'm very pleased. If you were drinking a pleased. cinnamon chocolate milkshake uh, from Good Company in Houston, as I was the other night, you might be more pleased. No, I'm not. I'm not a real, I'm not a cinnamon guy. Yeah, that's what everyone says. I'm not a real Drink the shake. No, people say people say that I'm not a cinnamon. Yeah, guy. Is I've that said what's this going to three people. The I'm like, oh, I don't really like cinnamon. I'm like, you just got to drink the shake. I know he's plugged in, but is he that plugged in to know that it's around the league? People are saying that I don't like cinnamon. No, think, no. Could it be that? I, no, could no. It be like that? I think he's saying around the league, others don't. Others like cinnamon. don't. Like you just oh, naturally. It actually, put it into wasn't even around the, the league. Fact it's that everyone's talking about you. That's what I took. And your lack of desire for cinnamon. You guys, we're getting off topic. Let's talk about me. Okay, good enough. We're going to be fighting between who's going to be talking about. You know, themselves. More. 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 Yeah. Can well, we get a fourth you, microphone in here so I can have two? So you could do two? <laughs> Thank you. Sort of like, uh, that's sort of, you, you ever see Woody Allen? You ever see Bananas? Where yes. He, where he, he, he's on the stand and he's also asking himself questions, runs from the stand, back to the table, back to the stand. <laughs> you could do that as well. We were the I actually wrote a column uh, in that vein, mm-hmm. uh, Randy Moss homage. Not mm-hmm. your Randy Moss, but the yes. other Randy Moss. <laughs> and, and by the way, Bananas opening with... Howard Cosell, yes, you are looking live. That's right, El Presidente. You've been shot. You know, he entered, have you seen Woody? Where, I, you've never no, seen Woody Allen, but no. it's a uh, he, he, he narrates it. Starts off with Howard Cosell. They're overthrowing a, a dictator, c- Central yeah. American dictator, <laughs> and then it ends with him narrating the wedding night. Yes, uh, Field, uh, Fielding Mellish. In the, that's right. Howard Cosell in a Woody Allen movie. That's one of the his, greatest that things. Is of all time. That is that is good. See, now you know why I'm excited to have you here. That's very good. Well, very excited. And look how dressed up you are. I know. You look so fancy. I was told I, to, I would be at a car wash today, so I dressed for the car wash. You did, and you dressed very well. Here, total access, the whole bit. Don't worry, we'll put you to work. Uh, starting with your work, you were in Houston this week, correct? You're I was, in, in fact, in Houston. Okay. That's the cinnamon chocolate shake reference. Ah, that's right. Okay. So, uh, how far does TJ Yates take this team? How far did they go? I love liked the presence of TJ Yates and the fact that he was throwing downfield with authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Matt Leinert, though he seemed to have made some strides in terms of command and poise and all that, seemed a little reticent in his time before he got hurt mm-hmm. to really go downfield. And Yates was not, and it wasn't reckless. There was one play that Andre Johnson actually dropped the ball, yes. but where he rolled right and hummed one down the sidelines. Uh, I wrote about TJ Yates uh, during one of my uh, late night interview sessions that Kara and I were talking about off uh, off the air, <laughs> what, what is that? What is that? I, I that just, we have we have mutual friends. Yeah, and, and, I, and actually, a guy I didn't know, but uh, told me uh, a scout told me, 
you know, he was one of the combine arms. I said, what's a combine arm? He said, oh, yeah. the last three guys invited uh, basically have to throw for the DBs and they have yeah. to stick around all week. Clearly, you didn't watch NFL game day morning because we showed video of TJ Yates as the throwing arm. Okay, the well, there you go. Because every every year, you and I are there, Kara, and you've, you've, you've been part of this uh, with Mike Mayock sort of staring a blank look at you, like, why are you asking me that question on live TV? You've been on the business end Oh, yeah, end so you ask him, does TJ Yates have a chance at Well, what I, I always do, because, you know, we're sitting there BSing during seven hours of defensive drills, and I every year I look at him, I'm like, now, are there people in the stands who are evaluating the throwing style of the quarterbacks who stick around to throw to the linebackers and cornerbacks, are they being evaluated just like everybody else? And Mayock stares like me like, why are you asking such a silly question? Probably because all the offensive scouts are not in the stands. They've all left. But but Rick no Smith more. No more. Out. No more. But That's you know, a legitimate there, question there, now. I was, um, I was in Denver, and I remember John Fox actually talking on the phone to Sean Payton about TJ Yates, and huh. they were both talking about how much they liked this guy. Really? And then in Houston... Uh, I was there for training camp, and they were like, this kid is running offense like he's been here for three years. It's like a, he know, has this it's a similar presence offense. and poise, and he, there's just something about him. And they were talking about him. You know, I mean, that's when they, he was the third-string quarterback, just a rookie on his second day of training camp. So and they were like, he's got something. Two wow. points. First of all, so other than Rich, basically T.J. Yates was getting less respect than any athlete <laughs> At the well, I was, I was well, not pointing at, him out specifically. Duke, but. And even a Duke quarterback had played in the league before this, you know, a UNC quarterback right. ever that's, had. That's, so, that's I mean, true. That's, and, you know? true. and uh, you know, a four-year starter in college, you know, like Josh Freeman, I do think there's something to be said for uh, the moment not being as big usually sure. for those guys. Because, it, you know, it's tough to start as an 18-year-old in uh, even at North Carolina, but major college football. And go through it for four years. And sure. I, I do, everyone said Josh Freeman was raw. I remember talking to him at API, you know, before the draft. And I said, yeah, you're supposed to be raw. And he's like, dude, I don't get it. Like I've, I've been playing for four years. Yeah, like I'm ready. 12, and when they right. don't get it, it's even better. Like you don't want them to get it. Like yeah. just yeah. go out there and play football. Yeah. Be right? young enough to not know what right. you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and now TJ Yates, however, is going against Andy Dalton this week. That is a big <laughs> game. I mean, Cincinnati yeah. is one of four, teams at seven and five five if you include the broncos but i'm just talking about in terms of the wild card four seven and five teams houston nine and three this is yates now his first start on the road yates versus dalton nine and three against seven and five houston against cincinnati who'd have thought that? really yeah really by, by the way the broncos are going 11 and five evidently ever in fact evidently they're going 15 and five i'm just saying on national tv almost every game i mean, I mean cbs is probably duking it out with nbc behind the behind the scenes right now for that week 15 new england denver game which i'm sure cbs did not protect <laughs> back in week five when they had to tell the league all the games that they want to protect from nbc from here on out yeah. i mean that's a big game. But well, you've got Tom Brady and the hottest quarterback in the world. He is. Playing. Right? Seriously, though. It's it's a phenomenon. I, mean, I mean, you just shake your head because it's a phenomenon unlike anything I've ever seen. It's so much fun to watch. It's yeah. so much fun to watch unfold. And it is fun to just see, is he going to struggle? Is he not going to struggle? The running game. I mean, Willis McGay, he's running like how crazy. Can, how can and he someone who throws. can't throw an intermediate route possibly win? I And my b- believe me, my new thing is... Just go with it on yeah. Tim Tebow. Yeah. Just go with it. But uh, And he did look a lot better throwing the ball. Two touchdown passes to Demarius yeah. Thomas. And Two. the one he almost got to win the right. game was a 
gorgeous throw. throw. Glorious. Yeah. There were a lot of wide open Bronco receivers, but again, I'm not I'm I'm not looking now for explanations as to why someone who yeah. is deficient in a key part of quarterbacking is succeeding. I'm now just going, you know what? He did this, this, and this, and apparently yeah. it, it this is the way it is now. Uh, I talked to one of the Vikings after the game and he said, dude, in pregame warmups, it's unbelievable how bad he looks it's staggering and you've got to think that's got to weigh on the defense like you know it's like you know i don't know if you guys play tennis but it's like when you play tennis and you've got these great skills and you and i were talking about this on the phone the other day it's like you're playing a pusher like somebody who you know (laughs) you're better than their style but yet they still manage to beat you and in the process of them beating you in a you know in an ugly fashion, mm-hmm. you get you're you're playing against yourself at the end, and of the you day. overextend, and, and you, you just try get to hit and you winners. get mad because you're like, how am I losing but to this? For you non tennis aficionados, a pusher is not someone who sells drugs during the. <laughs> oh, that's not what it is. It's <laughs> no, actually someone I mean, who you know hits a lot of spin and crap I, I, and just I, tries to get the ball. Back. I have a, I have a very bad first serve, um, and um, I have no I have no volley, but I, I've got a cross court forehand winner in me every yeah. now and then. Oh yeah. When I, on the run too, you know, like if you try and if you try and beat me to my forehand, I can get there. I, I, can I smell win, a I can, challenge here. I can. I, I've got, I don't I've know got if a big wanna, time. I don't know if you wanna... No, I, I, I can't really win many points. Like I told you, I got. I can't serve. Let me give you I two words volley. to describe my skills. Table tennis. There you go. Thank you. Like beer pong kind of thing. <laughs> beer <or> pong. Like... <laughs> you know, before the Cal Stanford game, it's this huge tailgate. It's a night game, and uh, all my Cal friends are having fun. And all of a sudden, I see this commotion, and then I hear people screaming like a phenomenon. I look over. My twelve-year-old son apparently is a tremendous beer pong player. Like Beirut or beer pong? Because you're right. doing it like it's Beirut. Like you're like it's you toss Beirut. It. Yeah, okay. it's not the actual. But, I mean, but, not that I know these right. things. Yeah, no, I mean, you, I, I've just read heard on it. I heard you, tell he, from the kids. He's you Wikipedia. My, my 12 year old son is just sinking shots. And this is a kid who, at the age of. You must be so proud. I really was. My friends were. Even oh, yeah, more they were proud. like, this is a cool thing. He well, looks at me, he says, Dad, I got to figure out how in college I can be the guy who's making all the shots but not doing all the drinking. I said, Bless you, son. Well, God if you make all him. the shots, you don't do all the drinking. That, I think that was his yeah, attitude. Yeah, he's got to have a skill. He wanted to have a partner, though, who right. would. Reining this back in. Back to those Texans. The, well, when we were talking, Tebow, um, he's seven and five. At home against seven and five Chicago, which is now without their top oh, quarterback, that game would have been so without hot their with top. Cutler. You know, Cutler going back oh, home that would have with been Forte hot. Uh, and that running. Unfortunately for Chicago, they are out without Cutler for maybe the rest of the season. Right? They are without Forte for maybe the rest of the regular season. Yeah. And and if it is a six week uh, sprain, what are you hearing? I think the regular season is the season for that team right now, unless they can find a way to. I agree with you. You know, get get something going. I agree with you. uh, You know, look, uh, I believe that there's a danger here. We've heard reports that Mike Martz is out after the season. Lovey Smith has strongly denied those. It's very possible that no decision has really been made. But Mm -hmm. one thing I do worry about is what I would call the audition factor. And we saw this like with Brian Billick, his last year in Minnesota in that NFC championship game defeat to the Falcons. I felt like if he had just been more willing to, be boring they had a better chance to win than if he was showing off for his head coaching job which he ultimately uh you know got a lot of offers but isn't winning the best way to show yes off for head but coaching I, but job, i though? but mike Martz, I know where you're going with but this. My, i have a feeling like mike Martz, you know arizona state ucla there's all this talk that he's floating out there uh he's been reluctant anyway to dial back that offense even with cutler who's capable of making some big throws right. under pressure um 
arguably they should be doing what uh, the Broncos are doing more. You know, may- maybe not quite Taylor, that extreme, yeah. but let's dial it back. Let's get Marion Barber. Um, you know, a lot of carries. Let's do three-step drops, not seven-step drops. And if you really look at what they're running, it's more of a, hey, man, we got Caleb Haney. We'll just run the same offense. I don't think they're best served by that. Well, clearly not. He couldn't score a touchdown against the, the Chiefs. Obviously, have a very good defense. That That's for sure. But they lost that game because Erlacher had the unfortunate uh, uh batting down of because a, he's been listening to tom jackson to no down. offense to tom but when you grow up in a culture back, right? where you hear knock it down like every sunday night i think it there's times where make the catch well if you the, if you if you call. just watch nfl I think game you they start, i think now. you should I mean, start a new segment called make the catch and maybe now the next generation let's do it right now the next generation start narrating start well narrating that play yeah. and i'll start it right let's now affect children Go ahead. I think saying. so. You and you narrate it. You're better. You at be Berman. Than... Go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be Mike. Silk. Oh, I'll Go. be Berman. Yeah. Just start narrating the play. It's uh, a highlight. Okay. What was it? it, it, it Tyler Palco. At five <laughs> seconds to go, uh, he throws it in the end zone, needing a a miracle. What? Silver. What do you do? Make the catch. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, uh, by the way, I need a lozenge now. <laughs> Every time I do Berman. <laughs> what, would the, what would the nickname <laughs> That's be for what Tyler said, Palco? Uh, oh, okay. oh, well, come on. Workshop uh, this. S- uh, Tyler Sergeant Palco. <laughs> uh, what's, it like, what's it like when somebody gets into wow. the end zone and the first thought in that prominent player's mind is Rich Eisen? Yeah, uh, well, listen. Uh, somebody did get into the end zone this weekend, and their first thought was Rich Eisen, Mike Silver. That'd how be, does that That would be that Maurice feel? Jones-Drew, by the way. Okay. He is so tired of just being prodded and poked by you to do the touchdown. Yeah, that's funny. His 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 post game sound did seem like sort of uh, all right. I did it, <laughs> Rich. I hope you're happy. Will you get off my back now? But you know he's also three and nine, so I got to cut him some slack. But he's a he's a sweetheart. He's that, a good man. He's the best. He's a good man. He's he he paid me homage. No one and nobody can ever take that away from me. I don't know who that person would be to try and take it away from me. But nobody can. That's well, it. It's I'm not on the shelf. Take, I'm not going to take it away from the you, but, but I am in the club, Rich. I have to tell what you. What do you mean? Do well, you mean? early in Clinton Portis's career, uh, we were having a dinner, and uh, you know, Clinton, he was a playful guy. Like his friends would leave to go to the bathroom, he'd pour pepper in the lemonade. It was one of those things. Uh, so we're talking. That's, that's playful. We're talking uh, touchdown. What a, what a pal. We're, we're talking. <laughs> I know it was great. It works. It works <laughs> a lot better in the dorms with unlimited food, but. Uh, we're talking touchdown celebrations and what we liked and what we didn't like. And I, I threw a couple at him and I said, you know, homage to the 70s, run through the end zone, pretend to run flat into the goalpost and just fall flat and right. go limp. Right. 70s style. And I, I thought we were just having a conversation. Might have been that year, might have been the next year. Someone calls and says, You watching the Pro Bowl? He did it in, in the, the Pro, Pro Bowl. Bowl, all the way through the end zone, bam, into the goalpost. So, it was a very, very proud moment for me. It should be. It should. That and sounds I, like something you should be proud of. Uh, I don't. Right? Don't you think? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, but I, it's funny because I. I want to score knew, a touchdown. I obviously knew from from past podcasts mm-hmm. that that you guys had agreed to something. Yeah. When he did it last night, I'm like, I have no, no idea, idea what, what he's, he's doing. doing. It looks like he had a he pulled on a cloak. Well, no, that was that and was him putting on the, the headset. He was, he was putting on the headset. Only real, only afterwards did was but it he was supposed to. He was supposed to. He was supposed to also mime the small. So now, now, studio now, space. now you're upset. Uh, no, 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 no. Now you're I'm upset because he didn't do that. Too? I'm not. I'm not. I'm he just blew saying. You a kiss. I know he did. Moi. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> 
Believe me, it was fantastic. <laughs> awesome. It was great. It was great. Uh, so Denver seven and five, Chicago seven and five. If Denver wins that game, which they should, they should. They've now reached the point of their schedule where they that if there's a lesser opponent, they they should. Uh, even though that was almost not the case last. But week even when Minnesota. they shouldn't, they will. Well, that's that's the beauty Evidently. of it. They go. Uh, Oakland is at Green Bay, and I don't think Oakland is equipped to beat. Green Bay. Well, in which, Oakland, Field. which Oakland is it going to be? Is it well, going to be? Well, I mean, if it's the... with Darren McFadden, maybe so. When do you think he's coming back? When do you think um, he's coming back? What do you think? Maybe sooner now. I, I, I think the real issue for them, though, is they were unbelievably and uh, unconscionably flat in a very important game. And, and I think Hugh Jackson's done a phenomenal job, including weathering the storm of the quarterback loss and then getting Carson Palmer comfortable pretty quick and surviving that little mini crisis. He's a very, very good play caller, too. So usually they come into a game with a real plan of attack that it, it can be very successful. Defensively, that front four is very moody when they ball out and, and affect the game like in san diego yeah they're really impactful and then sometimes like in buffalo or in miami you just go are those guys even here so richard seymour's got to stop getting thrown out of games right that's true and and it's it's like it's like that it's like that that line from hoosiers you know like where 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 norman dale keeps getting thrown out hey coach how about not getting thrown out today i mean it it really would certainly help you know what they should have had in in hoosiers they should have had a scene with a central american dictator being overthrown and Howard howard cosell like the hoosiers bananas would have improved uh, the movie but what my point essentially is is that denver should have a game lead heading into week 15 in the division um based on what what you're expecting and um the tebow phenomenon it's a copycat league i'm waiting to see who's going to be next right sure Rex Ryan, apparently, after the loss to Tim Tebow, went to Brian Schottenheimer and said, I want more Wildcat. Well, he, and, he lamented after that that they had they had lost Brad Smith. Do you remember that in the pro, in the post-game press conference? We used to have a guy like that, Yeah, basically. And you're like, that was bizarre. Not only did he basically say we had the right play called in and we just didn't do it, basically putting his players on the mat, right? Then he says, well, we used to have a guy like that. And you're like. Okay. Right, and he's in Buffalo, and then the yeah. next week, he, he Brad Smith almost beat them. Yeah, uh, he he had a great game against the Jets um, in Week Twelve. But I just thought it was interesting because maybe we're seeing finally the re- reverse back to the Wildcat. Get more of that in there because hey, it's working for Tebow. Maybe it could work for us because Rex said essentially, knowing what he had to go through to plan for it on a short week, it's difficult when you're not expecting it to defend it, and on top of it. With a 40-something backup quarterback, Sanchez can't clearly feel that he's being threatened if even he takes a few snaps in practice away from him, talking about Brunel. Maybe if you take Sanchez off the field and put Wildcat there, you're killing two birds with one stone. You're motivating your underperforming young quarterback, and you're also going ahead and and making making a trend-setting move in the NFL by following the Tebow footsteps. You're shaking your Let head. Let me make a silver. few points, first of all. Actually, okay. you twisted your face 
and then shook First your head. First of all, uh, is you know, try that with Peyton Manning in his in his prime or hell, well, you know. I mean, certain teams don't need to do that. Clearly, Aaron Rodgers. Although I thought that a couple to. weeks ago when they put Randall Cobb back there, I'm like, what are you doing taking Aaron Rodgers out for even one snap when Peyton, the Wildcat Peyton craze? Peyton would have sent the guy. Back. Peyton would have said, "You go back." You to go the right. Well, remember when the Wildcat craze was coming out, yeah. and and somebody asked um, uh, Bob Kraft. Are the Patriots going to do it? And he goes, why in the world would I take my best player right. off the field right. for a single second? Well, and, and let me make another point. Uh, can you imagine if Ron Rivera went to Jerry Richardson and said, here's my game plan this Sunday. I'm going to create an offense where I think with a naked backfield, Cam Newton carries about 22 times. He'd be like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is part of what's going on. You have to acknowledge is a sense that, there is not a lot of fear that their franchise quarterback is being subjected to undue punishment. I think, you know, say what you will about John Elway's master plan and how he's feeling about how badly they need Tim Tebow as their quarterback of the future. They are putting him in harm's way pretty cavalierly at, you know, for the sake of trying to win now. And I don't blame John Fox for that. John Fox is doing a, remarkable job I think and, so too. and he's defensively too he's, he's having a, a he's having a blast like i talked to him last week and mm-hmm. he's like what's not to like yeah I mean, he's, you got i mean he had two win season last year he's right. winning with games. one of the worst offenses in the history of the national football league and now right. he's got and he, this is what he loves right he loves a quarterback he, who doesn't make mistakes yeah his, yes. he says well he says the three things he always says there's three things he loves in a quarterback a guy who's smart a leader of men and all the other stuff. So, I mean, throwing yeah. the football is yeah. all the other stuff, right? Well, well, so he Tebow, likes to run Tebow the ball and stop of, the run. So there you go. Tebow he's, is chock full of the other stuff. Yeah, right? he's I mean, all, all he is all the other stuff. <laughs> right. But it's funny. I think, too, this happens with it. With you know, he would kill me for saying calling him an older coach. But he calls them like, <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, I remember it was about a month ago. And everybody was like, hey, they're just throwing him out there to show the fans, hey, you know, this you finally get what you want. Now, right. what do you think? Right. And he's like, why would I do that? It'd be like throwing one of your children off a cliff. So he's at the point in his career where he's really, you know, he looks at this like he's one of his kids because he is. He's the same age as one of his kids. And he's right. like, he's a great young guy who's working his tail off, getting better every week. And we're winning. What's not to like about that? It's, he just wants to win every week. I love when people are like, oh, well, you know, they're doing it. No, 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 no. They, every week in the National Football League, you either go through a week of work, and at the end of the day, you either, you either win a game, and it was all worth it, or you lose it, and you basically just work for nothing. And, ba- and back awesome. to the Mike Martz conversation, you know, the, some people care more about style points, and John Fox, to his credit, is willing to look okay. like he's running – uh, you know, a crappy offense. And how about and Von Miller as the choice when everybody was kind of like, how are yeah, they going to make that choice? Yeah, I think you reported Darius, that, right? But seriously, how they not go with Darius? Everyone yeah, everybody that, was right? saying, hey, you know, I mean, what are they looking? What are they thinking in that defense? How are they going to use them? Right, oh, and they were hello. like, let me, and let they me, were all like, oh, we're going to use him in every down. He's it's the defensive rookie of the year. It doesn't oh, matter, yeah, even if he doesn't play another game, which yeah. clearly he will. They're, 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 they just sat him out, I guess, for precautionary reasons because of uh, he just had the know, surgery, right? Yeah. And there could be some sort of infection or whatever. Um, uh, let me throw out one other point. Throw uh, out Tebow. another point, Mike. Uh, you, you sit there now when I'm watching Denard Robinson or somebody who I look at in the past. I'm thinking maybe not a pro quarterback. I right. go. Um, you know, you wonder over the last 40, 50 years, how many guys who were very successful college players didn't have NFL style throwing skills, but if put in this situation could have thrived. And I really don't know. The answer may be zero because Tim Tebow is so special, or it may be 50, 
But but it does make you wonder. Mike Silver, tune in to the Sunday coverage of the NFL Scouting Combine 2012, and that is going to be our number one subject as the quarterbacks are out there on the field. Hands down. Hands down. How does Tebow's 2011 season affect the evaluation of this position moving forward? It is groundbreaking. There's no other way to put it. And the thing that's amazing is we're entering week 14. No one would have ever thought that this would be a storyline in the NFL this season. We would have thought maybe we'll see what happens with Tebow. Not having the Broncos in the playoffs, for crying out loud, uh, being a 6-1 and starter. At that point, no one would think that TJ Yates, the camp, uh, the, the, uh, the throwing arm at the Combine, he would have the Texans fragile season in their hands yeah. at nine and three moving forward. Their first playoff season, I think for sure they're making the playoffs. We know that right now. And then the Niners have to be another story in that Ooh. regard as well over in the NFC, just to make a quick shift as we're currently looking at the standings. The Packers would have to truly fall and not get up in order to not have a bye week. They have clinched the division. All they need is just have one home win against the Raiders and they have a bye week. The other bye week is going to be between the Niners and the Saints in the NFC right now. And unfortunately for the Saints, their three losses are all within the conference. Yeah. Rams, Bucks, good Lord, right? And then, of course, week one against the Packers. While the Niners, one of their losses is out of conference, as we saw on Thursday Night Football against the Ravens. Do you think Niners or Saints are going to have that week off, Karen Henderson, as we're currently assisting? It's tough. Crystal ball it for me. The tough thing is that they still have to play the Falcons again. I mean, and I know people are a little bit down in the Falcons. I mean, but... In Atlanta, too. In Atlanta. No, it's actually in New Orleans. It's in New Orleans. Oh, it's the right. Monday that's night right. after Sorry, Christmas. Pardon me, that's gonna be the, so, Fal- Falcons are going to need that game in the oh, worst. So that's, the that's what you get into. trying to get it to it's overtime like, right. so Mike Smith could go for it on fourth and one from his own 29-yard line. Don't I mean, <laughs> go ahead. Kara has said, and she said most people in, in Atlanta would agree with her that he should have done it. I still don't think so. I still don't know what he was You don't thinking. live in fear. Oh, my God, Drew Brees, I can't take it. What if we – I mean, it's one thing if if it's the game's on the line, down by four, one-yard line, we're going for the win. Right. Th- this is – if we don't get this first down, which, by the way, will leave us 40 yards from field goal range, ooh, Drew's going to get it back and we're done. Like, I just don't – it's the same thing with Belichick and Peyton. I just don't think you live in fear. Well, I think you I think you play ball. What about the combination of Sproles and Brees, though? You know, you would have had Oh, okay, that. then so go, that's, then so go for it. Jimmy, no, stop it. Jimmy true. Graham, too. Yeah. Uh, oh, so, so you were saying, that yeah, is a game that the Falcons are going to need. So you think the Niners, because they, they play pretty, they play you everyone in every, just so you know, their last four games, uh, three in division, one at home against the Steelers uh, the week Monday night. I think, that, yeah, I think the thing you worry Monday about night. with that is just that, you know, when you've been pressing the gas, like the let off the, the gas a little bit, and then, you know, like there's always that, like the, the teams that need it down the stretch versus the ones that kind of, let off the gas a little bit and kind of cruise. I don't know yeah. if Harbaugh and... knows that. that no, well, that's he, won't, true. he won't do it though, anyway. Hopefully this Patrick is Willis great is for our... Harbaugh that the Saints are in hot pursuit because he'll keep putting the foot on the gas right. and the players will believe him. Yeah, because uh, those are some footsteps that yeah. you, that are pretty loud. I mean, Patrick Willis got hurt this week. <laughs> I though. know, hamstring. You hate the hamstring thing this year. If you told you me, know. how about if you told me the 49ers will clinch their division in the 12th game with a shutout in which Patrick Willis plays less than a you quarter. Could, let's play, you could play that game, right? Like, I could give you five scenarios and you tell me that if you would have actually believed it if I would have told you at the beginning of the season, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Tim Tebow, he's going to have them leading the division after, yeah. you know, five straight wins. Incredible. And, also, you know. Maurice Jones-Drew would, in the end zone, yeah. think <laughs> no, about I, Rich I that. No, please. I would have totally <laughs> predicted that. You know I would have. That's predictable. Um, two more questions for you before I let you go back to the car wash, Mike, and you've got a, a meeting for Total Access, Karen Henderson. I can't have you miss that. Uh, Cowboys-Giants 
what a big loss that was for Dallas and Arizona this week. They could have been two up on the Giants heading into their first of two December meetings to finish off the season to decide the NFC East. Instead, they're just one up, and the Giants, having lost four in a row with all those injuries, everything going on, if they win in Dallas this week, they lead the division. Who wins that division when it's all said and done? I'm going to that game, and it's fascinating. Dallas is the best team. Uh, they think so? They are mistake-prone. Mm-hmm. And their coach twice now has gotten so painfully conservative at weird times. Yeah. What the Patriots game right. and then obviously this game. Oh, and that so unbelievable. I uh, couldn't believe what uh, he was doing with they this time could, the They are a they are a 9 and 3 caliber team. They're 7 and 5. You're right. They could have been in a much better situation. The Giants, they have a quarterback playing very very well and his receivers when their pass rush is dialed in it's you know potentially uh division altering but it hasn't always been dialed in so real test to that cowboy offensive line uh to be able to give tony romo time and if you're jason garrett if i were your spiritual advisor i'd be like dude you're playing this all wrong it's okay to be aggressive and fail and take some swings, especially for Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, right. But don't be the guy who is just, you know, looking overwhelmed by the moment and scared. I don't know and what then it was, lose. man. I mean, because it's just situational football. Patriots play it great. We saw how Green Bay played it for the first time all year. They were forced to do it, right? And the end wow. of the game against the Giants. Wow. Midnight. First I mean, time they was, were tied. Wow. First time, 50 seconds to go. Aaron Rodgers. Took 14 seconds. I Aaron think so. Rodgers did it like he's been doing it all year, and he hasn't been, hasn't had to do it. It helps when you can put a ball into a window like 35 sure. yards away that's like a BB. No but question. Yes. No question. And it helps. But it also helps to have, I guess, a, a coaching. Uh, got, I got a head coach in the sidelines who I guess is been there before and done that before. And it just was re- remarkable to me with 30 ticks to go and two timeouts yeah. left and a quarterback like Romo, who is playing very, very well. Right, But you now, have okay? to save a timeout to not- ice your own kicker always. Oh, good. Always. <laughs> Well, that wasn't his fault because he was just following the. He was okay, just now. following what is his, his, his. Hey, I mean, if you're if you're if you're a wow. uh, uh, special teams coach, if D. Camillus is coming up to you and saying, "Call timeout," what do you say? No. Yeah, you really do. Say, stop talking to me. They're about to slap the ball. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to uh, William McGinnis was on the show with his. You're in charge, Rich. And he said, and that's just said. He said, you know, Bill Belichick. Do you think that the assistant coaches come up and tell him what to do? Yeah. He's like, not only that, he goes, we are so coached on situational football right. that there's that yes. is, you wouldn't have to call the timeout because everybody would have been in the right place. Rogers would have known right. what to do. No, everybody would have been lined up correctly. Uh, what do you mean they're not? Hey, but you had a team on Monday Night Football in, in the Cowboys uh, a month and a half ago that didn't know people didn't know where to line up at all. You know who else is great at that? Possibly the next coach of the Cowboys, Jeff Fisher. I'm just saying, if things go real bad. I think, uh, who's handled it better than him, by the way? He's been snowboarding with his son. He's climbed up Kilimanjaro, getting paid, and now he's going to come back and be like, I'm all tanned and rested. He's gone to games. He's gone to Lions games. Do you have any idea where he could go? Yeah, I do. Where? Well, I mean, I think he's going to be in high demand because, as you guys know, people on the inside have a better understanding of how good he is relative to fans, I think, who go, well, they lost a lot. Um, I think Jerry Jones is a huge Jeff Fisher fan. I don't believe that if the Cowboys mess up this opportunity, that Jason Garrett is safe by any means. Mm-hmm. So I would look there. Um, I think you have to look at uh, Jeff's not a guy who says I have to 
uh, run the personnel department at all. But he wants to be comfortable mm-hmm. with uh, the front office person. So it might be a situation where the GM is kept and Jeff feels like he could work with him. But I don't see him going, say, to San Diego if A.J. Smith's still there. What about St. Louis? Um, everybody is intrigued because you've got a quarterback there. He's got a quarterback. He's got a situation where the owner might eventually move the team to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And and who better to sell tickets than a former USC Trojan who's taken a team to a Super Bowl before? I'm just saying. I, I'm thinking down the line, which an owner in the NFL. LA, LA fans ain't buying tickets because of former Trojans coaching. They're buying no, tickets because it's you sexy, because it. it's it. the Lakers, because Michael it. Vick just got traded there. I, But I do think who better to coach your team than a and guy who's really, really good. So who, uh, just <laughs> uh, Jacksonville's, Jacksonville's in play, I think – Philly, uh, if you do make a move. And, and talk about, I, I mean, I and talk about the wouldn't. domino effect. I mean, you, you, how many teams would line up for Andy Reid right now? Last I mean, question, because I, I, I know get one you guys that might not. Here. The Eagles. And I, <laughs> nice. And I, and I believe really I'm done talking about he I'm should done survive. Talk. I've written that he should survive. Good, because I'm done talking about them. I can't talk about them. Guess what? The Eagles. You're not. I know. Not it's, for like the, four it's like the lockout. I'm going to take a hiatus. I'm taking an Eagles hiatus for the next month. <laughs> so as you know, every year on average, five teams that make the playoffs one year don't make it the next. Or six. Five point something. Is it five yeah. point something? Okay. So the Colts clearly aren't, right? Chiefs? Nope. Nope. Eagles? No. Seattle? No. No. I want a team that we aren't talking about yet that you think is is out. You got the Falcons. Yes, Who made maybe. the playoffs last year. Jets? Made the playoffs last yeah, year. Yeah, right? one of one of those or Chicago, Chicago. I'm, I'm going to say Chicago. Those are the three, at least Chicago. Uh, watch out! You know, I I think Pittsburgh safe. Who, who does that leave? Pittsburgh safe. New England safe. Ravens are safe. Ravens are safe. The uh, Packers are safe. Yes, and the Saints are safe. Yeah. Okay. So uh, in order, Chicago of most vulnerable. Chicago, uh, Jets, Atlanta. But Atlanta has looked off all year, whereas last year it looked. Very, very smooth for much of the year. Here's what I'm going to say. It's a struggle. Here's what I'm going to say, and I, and, I, and I might say this just speaking as a Roddy White fantasy owner. Throw him the ball, please. He's dropping I it, underst- I understand he's dropping it, and I understand Julio Jones is very talented. Just just throw him the ball. I, I throw love, him the ball. I love Roddy White. I just think throw uh, him the ball. when they it go to a huddle. Julio Jones, when he's out, they seem to go right back to the formula right. that got him where they, where they were. When. And when they, they haven't figured out how to get him when in they the huddle, that's the way I feel. That's just the way I feel. When they huddle the and the play comes down from Mike Malarkey this year, their offense looks strained and choppy. When Matt Ryan goes out in the no huddle and just calls the plays, oh, yeah. it looks a lot better. Okay, so you go, you go, Chicago. Do you have a no? I, I agree with right his Chicago? order. I think it's Chicago Jets Falcons because the Jets don't have a single team with a winning record left in their yeah, schedule. Yeah, but they're Chiefs, been, Eagles, Giants too. And Miami, which is going to be the best. As Florio called them, the best four and eight team I mean, of all time. Like, yeah. Guess what? Every every year, there's the best four and eight team of all time. Every year, somebody. How about that though? The, I mean, Tony Sperl. You can't be the best <laughs> anything when you lose your first seven games. I don't care how what you do. Mike Silver, thanks for coming on. I thanks appreciate for where having you going, me. Where are you going, Dallas? Dallas Giants. Uh, Dallas Giants. So you, be... get, you get Jerry Jones to say something after the game, that's, like he did last that's, time that's, you saw him. That's like, always you know, the goal. Bagging on his, bagging on his coach. If, if he I sees you coming down, oh, you're going to have to. You're going to have to go chase him down. Oh no, he'll just be in the locker room. In that, like, he's only is he the only owner that you know that comes and addresses the media in the locker room? Doesn't bother me in the least. Oh, it's it fantastic. We all wait around for heaven. it. We all wait around for it. Kara, thanks for coming on as always. At Kara Henderson, at Mike Silver. Follow him on Twitter. That'll be it for this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. A lot of uh, 
A lot of thought-provoking commentary on this program. You're definitely going to get that when Bob Costas comes on. It's interesting as he uh, talks about touchdown celebrations. We also uh, celebrate Maurice Jones-Drew touchdown celebration here. But I think that that's one of those touchdown celebrations that Bob is saying is within the scope of reason. It doesn't cost your team 15 yards. It's something fun. You know, Bob's not t- saying take, and take all the the fun out of the game. You know, the Ocho Cinco, he even called up to say, uh, I've spoken with him before. I mean, I've spoken with Bob before. He's even talked about Ocho Cinco's celebrations of putting the ball with the pylon. That's funny. Unless it costs your team 15 yards. Uh, at any rate, it's great to have Bob on. We're going to get him back on for sure. I wanted to talk a little bit more with him, but uh, time constraints uh, at our facility prevented us from doing that anymore. And want to thank Matt Hasselbeck. Want to thank Kara. Also want to thank uh, the good people of uh, of uh, Bud Light. Oh, Mike Silver, too. want to thank him, too. Uh, want to thank the good people of Bud Light. This week's fan camps, Jackson, Mississippi, Philadelphia, PA, Salt Lake City, Utah, Houston, Texas. And uh, that's the Bud Light fan camps. You can get more information on the Bud Light Facebook page. And also, you have to be 21 years or older to participate in these Bud Light fan camps. Uh, thank Chris Law and also Michael Hayden. want to thank everybody who helps put this podcast together. I'm off to Pittsburgh now. Next week, Al Michaels in studio. Matt Damon. He's got a new movie uh, out called We Bought a Zoo. Good times. He's a big Patriot fan. I'm sure he'll be psyched as the New England Patriots are at Washington, D.C. this week. They should be 10-3. and three. By the time we talk to Matt next week, you should be sky high as his Patriots have clearly separated themselves from the pack in the AFC East. That's it for this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. Thanks to Bob and Kara, Mike, and also Matthew. Peace out. Stay listening, dear friends. 